some 78%. And that's the news and weather from RTLHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Car Ha. Good morning, Car. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the 2023 District Council election results uh, described by Chief Executive John Lee as high-quality polls. This year's uh, DC elections were the first to take place since the overhaul of the system, which reduced the number of directly elected seats from 452 to 88, with another, another 176 chosen by local committees and more to be appointed by the CE. The DAB party emerged as the main winner, having secured 109 of the 264 seats available, that total including both the directly and indirectly elected places. The Federation of Trade Unions came second, followed by the New People's Party and the Business and Professionals Alliance. The remaining uh, 101 seats were won by independent candidates and smaller parties. In uh, Yao Chimmong district, uh, three out of six candidates were from ethnic minority backgrounds, which was hailed as a demonstration of Hong Kong's multiculturalism. However, none was successful in the poll. What do you expect from our new councils and councillors? Uh, let us know what you think. You can leave a message here on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233-88-266-233-88266. And after 9.45, we'll hear more about the recent discovery on the south coast of England of a fossilised pliosaur, a giant maritime predator that lived about 150 million years ago. Joining us uh, now for our main topic, uh, we have uh, with us for the first few minutes of the programme anyway, uh, Christine Fong, a Sai Kung District Councillor, a newly elected Sai Kung District Councillor. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jim and Carl. And Hi. also with us are Alan Lung, co-convener international of the Path of Democracy, and Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist and former director general of social welfare. Good morning to you. Perhaps uh, we'll just start with you, uh, Christine Fonk, because uh, um, I know you have a, a limited time that you can spend with us. So uh, congratulations uh, in your uh, win in, uh, in Chen Quano. Uh, you got more than 12,000 votes there. What was the what can you tell us about uh, the experience? What do you take from the election? Yeah, uh, firstly, uh, I would say um, thank you all the residents who, who vote for me and and thank you for for the blessing. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, having uh, received this kind of uh, 12, more than 12,000 votes from from all of them uh, among in Saikong, Hang Hao, and as well as uh, the area is huge. I mean, the coverage is uh, broad and uh, all the way from uh, Saikong, the whole area, and Clearwater Bay, and as well as the town center like um, Lohas Park or even the uh, uphill area, hillside area in um, Hong Seng Garden or even uh, Choi Lam area. So uh, this time, because the, the area has the constituency of this uh, new reform has has been changed and become uh, even bigger and bought so uh, we spend more time in traveling and have different uh, livelihood matters 
and and local issues to to discuss with with those residents. I I believe as a um, because I've been here serving the community more than 16 years. So uh, I think I I did uh, accumulate those uh, issues and and know, uh, knowing that how to solve the problem. So uh, in the coming days, I will I will do my best to serve the community. No matter like uh, transportation, housing, or even in Saikong Haima Highway, we, we have the second stage of road rush improvement. So I, I, I will I welcome all the, all the um, uh, residents in Saikong or Clearwater Bay to, to, to let me know their, their concern or their, 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 their matters. So that that's my angle to, mm. and I'm so um, glad that I I've been reelected. And in the coming four years, I I will do my best for the community. Mm. Do, do you think the work of the uh, district councils uh, now is going to be uh, a lot different from before going forward? I believe uh, uh, it actually is as similar, but since the area is so broad and uh, uh, coverage is uh, is quite scattered. So I'm going to have uh, the mo mobile uh, um, working station to serve because I may not have enough office to serve with uh, uh, to in the lo in the in the so in the community. So, for example, I may uh, set up a regular time in in Saikong Town, say for example, in front of McDonald's to have a mobile uh, office. To serve with, or you know, some some other area like um, the downtown area, or even Lohas Park. So this is one thing: how to serve or to meet the residents. That first, that first thing. And second is probably uh, talking about the resources. Um, I think um, if we need to serve so so many um, residents, we're talking about sixty-seven thousand. Uh, voters and the resident is 160,000. That is a lot of, uh, uh, it is a huge amount of uh, residents. So I hope um, the government, uh, including the HAD, uh, Home Affairs uh, Department, they, they can support us and we can work all together. And also, I will probably we will we need to um, do more about you know the rural area to uh, cooperate with um, the rural committee um, association with with those uh, villages representatives to have more cooperation to to serve the village house or you know those west westerns who are living <coughs> in in more um, country area <coughs> Okay, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much for speaking to us uh, on uh, this morning's uh, programme. Um, um, I know you've got to go. Uh, Christine Fong there, uh, newly uh, re-elected Saikong uh, uh, District Councillor. Um, um, Andrew Learn, good morning to you. Good morning. So what's your sort of overall impression of the, of the conduct and the outcome of the District Council elections? Well, I think that if you look at the international press, particularly uh, those who are sort of anti-China um, kind of uh, media um, affected by the Western rhetoric, 
um, that you know there is a, a narrowing uh, of representation. I mean, basically, um, the all the um, uh, candidates uh, they have been pre-screened, uh, and then uh, there is a uh, only about eighteen percent who are directly elected. Uh, the vast majority are either. Um, within a very narrow electoral base or directly appointed either as government officials or as um, as direct appointees. Um, now, there are uh, several uh, issues there. Uh, the myths which I would like to debunk, first of all, uh, there seems to be, um, in the eyes of the um, uh, the critics, uh, there is a lack of, of um, um, uh, representat- uh, representativeness uh, because uh, all the candidates have been pre-screened and so on and so forth. The second um, um, accusation uh, is there is a lack, seems to be the lack of diversity, a lack of choice, because everybody is uh, so pro um, uh, patriots. And the third um, uh, accusation uh, is that there seems to be no opposition, um, because every, everything is one-sided. However, this uh, really speaks to the very... Um, a basic misunderstanding of what country, one country, two systems is all about. Because uh, in the basic law, uh, don't forget in the basic law, um, there was provision for one man, one vote, but that was um, uh, completely you know, um, uh, abandoned uh, by the opposition, uh, by those um, um, the protesters and, and even rioters. Yeah, um, because that's what the basic law provides, yeah. that mm-hmm. all the candidates must be pre-screened. Um, in, in order to elect someone who is trusted uh, by, this, um, by the central government. And there is no question of um, Hong Kong departing um, as part of China, departing from this path and nurturing some sort of uh, ideological opposition to the central government. But this is simply not allowed in the basic law, the Hong Kong's constitution. Um, so the lack of so-called opposition is a false narrative. In other words, how can Hong Kong, as part of China, nurture an opposition party um, who opposes uh, the governance of the political system in China? I mean, this is, this is really um, a kind of um, uh, false narrative. Now, hence, the, uh, what we are seeing is uh, what some would prescribe a new era, in, uh, particularly the district uh, uh, councillors. Uh, they are really um, there to serve the residents. They are there to make sure that the livelihood and the problems in the districts, in the various districts, are addressed. Um, you look at the last um, rioters um, election in the district uh, council election, um, and the various candidates uh, who, are, uh, who were pro-government had to wear um, sort of um, um, uh, 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 almost an armor uh, vest to prevent their being stabbed by the opposition, <clears throat> and some have to wear a fire retardant vest um, to prevent themselves from being set on fire. Is that the kind of election we want? Um, that's why the central government uh, was actually forced to change the whole system uh, because of all, what happened during the past couple of years uh, to make sure that the district councillors are really focused on local issues. Now, as far as the diversity is concerned, um, you can see that all the candidates, uh, they are not all the same, even though they are they're all, of course, um, um, a patriot as uh, required under the basic law, because how can you have district councillors to oppose the central government? I mean, that's ridiculous uh, for any country. 
Um, and, 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 and they are uh, different in the sense that some concentrate on certain aspects of the, of, of the, uh, uh, the local issues. Uh, the backgrounds are different. Uh, some of them are even ethnic minorities. So there is, there is a difference there. Now, the other accusation is that there is a lack of choice. Now, you will look at the, um, uh, the, most, the so-called most democratic country in the world, the United States. There are only two parties, basically two parties to choose from. So is there a choice? Of course there is genuine choice, even though there are only two parties. So the number of candidates doesn't mean that there is no, not sufficient choice. Um, now, um, as for the, um, um, uh, the kind of um, uh, uh, political spectrum, um, again, um, apart from uh, everybody has got to abide by the basic law, there is a huge difference in terms of background, in terms of experience, uh, in terms of even personality, um, in terms of what they uh, believe is, the, is the, the most important thing to solve the district um, uh, affairs. So there is a choice. Um, but having said that, though, um, there is no denying the fact that the, um, um, the election percentage, uh, that those who turn out to vote, uh, have dropped drastically to only 27.5%. However, uh, we're not comparing like with like. We're not comparing at a time uh, where the whole society were inflamed by this false narrative uh, of opposing the central government. Um, the, the, the appropriate comparison is uh, with the last legislative council, legislative council election um, in 2010, I think. Um, there, um, it's only about 30% turnout. So the present turnout is 27.5%, um, uh, which is about 90%, which is not, not bad at all for a start. Now, let's not forget that uh, the electorate, um, um, the, the candidates are pretty new, and the district and all the population are not too familiar with them. So this is early days yet. Um, I don't think that this is going to be um, a perfect... Uh, election. It is a very, very uh, satisfactory election. Uh, after all, this is the first time, um, uh, first election under the new system, and the population's got used to it. And having achieved 90% compared with uh, the last electrical election, um, it's not bad at all. But the most important thing is that the district councillors, they're all focused on improving the, the various livelihood. And there is competition, because after two years, they've got to be re-elected again. So, yeah. Um, I think it's a very good start. Um, it's, it's, it's very different uh, from what it was uh, in terms of law and order. Um, you know, at the last election, we, we, we saw candidates uh, overwhelmingly elected, but they were focusing on, on, on political positions yeah. to, to Beijing. Okay. Um, and even they, they pledged not to serve people not of their own political uh, complexion. That's not what district council's all about. Sure. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, thanks, um, uh, Andrew Lung. Let's bring in um, Alan Lung as well, co-convener of uh, Path of Democracy. Could I just uh, read uh, a message from a listener first? This is from listener Henry. says, uh, I expect the new councillors to really visit uh, their constituency uh, areas frequently, uh, not only when they come out to call for votes, uh, when they need votes for 
the, the, the next election and then seem to have uh, disappeared from our eyesight. Uh, even uh, Chief Executive John Lee visits people or they concentrate on the lower echelons of society and, uh, and then the middle class, the better off class people in the district uh, are neglected. Um, um, uh, um, Alan Lung, do you expect that, uh, that the newly elected uh, district councils are going to have to, like, uh, you know, uh, change their approach or, or, or how they're going to deal with uh, uh, their responsibilities uh, in the community? Well, just look at uh, one of your, your, your interviewees, uh, Christine Fong. Yeah. And congratulations to her. And there's no one more deserving than Christine Fong. Um, she said she's been serving that for uh, in, in her area for 16 years. 16 years, yeah. Yeah, and up and down in her career, left Liberal Party and so on. She's, there's no one more deserving than 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 her. So, so congratulations. And if I if I live in her area, I would have voted for her. Hmm. But uh, overall, I think I agree with uh, with uh, Andrew that 27.5 uh, percent is not that bad at all. Uh, after all the uh, promotion by the government, it's a fact that the middle income or upper income area dropped as much as uh, eight to ten percent in terms of voting rates. Some area rises, housing estates and the traditional uh, new territory villages, because of their mobilisation. Uh, the large parties, the DAB, FTUs are the biggest winner. Mm -hmm. Regina Ip's party, New People's Party, did extremely well, and so are the people who can mobilize. And it's the mobilization that that uh, that makes a difference. Uh, so uh, I think overall implication is um, we have to look at this as the first step in the post-1997, the real first democratic uh, development. Uh, since 1997, the one that is a democratic development that is uh, steered by uh, Beijing, mm. and we don't, we shouldn't be be frustrated by the lack of representation and so-called all the negative thing. But I think if this is, I don't think uh, uh, our sovereign power will abandon election altogether. But I don't think they they believe in uh, the the, uh, the word opposition as in the sense of the Western Western uh, uh, democracy. I think think they they would tolerate or even welcome and accept different opinions, but a different opinion that is constructive, and work with the administration. And in the district council election, uh, they deal with. Basically, non non political issues, the livelihood issues, a birth water main, the garbage collections issue, and all those things. And mm. I think mm. this is probably a good way to do it. Mm. Come. Yep. So um, actually, I want to go back to um, Andrew for for further like correction uh, because you said um, the the this time the election is like it actually is the uh, is is first after the changing the system changing. So how do you think it is like helping the Hong Kong development about like the economy or the um, the, the whole situation? Well, this is very important. Um, I still remember um, in 1997, 
um, when Hong Kong reverted to the motherland, um, Beijing was 100% uh, hands-off uh, in the sense that at that time I was serving in the um, um, in the form uh, I served in the former Royal Hong Kong Police Force and afterwards the Hong Kong Police Force as the top administrator responsible directly to the to the Commission uh, of Police. Um, but before the handover, um, there were um, um, sort of friendly uh, matches, football matches between the Hong Kong uh, uh, police force and those across the border. And it was quite regularly organized. But then afterwards, um, all these have to be referred to Beijing to make sure that there is no interference or no uh, kind of um, mingling of local officials uh, uh, in, in China, uh, on the mainland uh, with Hong Kong. The so-called um, not mixing um, 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 uh, the river water with the well water. But this kind of under, uh, under, uh, uh, idea, uh, both in, uh, in Hong Kong and of course in certain uh, parts in, on the mainland, completely you know, sort of uh, de- uh, 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 debunked because the two places are intertwined. And over the years, there is a free flow uh, com- and a very close connection uh, between people, capital, ideas, uh, you name it. And, and so there is all sort of mingling between the two um, uh, places across the border. Um, as I said at the beginning, um, when the basic law was first introduced, Beijing took the initiative to introduce um, one man, one vote in the joint in in in, in the um, in the basic law, which is Hong Kong, uh, which is China um, uh, law, um, and 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 uh, on Hong Kong. Uh, it's not that the provision for one man, one vote was not in the joint declaration, and here is the misunderstanding. Because the one man one vote introduced in the basic law must be predicated uh, on making sure the candidates who are not familiar with to Beijing make sure that those elected uh, they have to work with Beijing under the basic law. They have got to be trusted by Beijing. But this kind of understanding is completely um, smashed, you know, by the, um, the the local so-called protesters and rioters and trying to tear up the basic law, and hence, well, the rest is history. But having said that, though, um, we are now in a new era uh, of making sure uh, that Hong Kong could still strive uh, under this the new arrangement. Um, and there was a, well, I learned my English alphabet at the age of about 12, so my early education was entirely in Chinese, in classical Chinese, in the, I'm one of those old dinosaurs. There was an old Chinese saying that um, you can be different, uh, but you can achieve a harmonious um, uh, or, um, a relationship. That, that's, the, that's the whole point about um, uh, this kind of uh, uh, dip, uh, spec, different spectrum of opinions, even in China, even in Beijing, um, when you know in the t- discussions uh, there was not a total agreement on how to address certain issues, and all these issues are addressed in discussions in you know through various uh, stakeholders, and that's the, a more healthy kind of um, development compared with what we're seeing in the West where the two parties are saying each other uh, tooth and nail and holding their own national interest to ransom. Uh, so what's happening in the United States 
is not totally in line uh, with what is best for the people. Um, and I think the most important thing is the people, because the, the basic idea of democracy is got to work for the welfare of most people and see whether their lives um, have been totally transformed. And that's what happened uh, to China over the past 40 years. This is hardly the case in the so-called some of the Western democracies. Um, so I think that we, we are now uh, in the new era, but unfortunately we have lost the whole generation of young people who have no idea or very little idea of nationhood. Um, we have a population, uh, a lot of them affected by this um, false idea of necessarily opposing the uh, the, the ideology in Beijing. Uh, this is totally false because Hong Kong is not a, a country. It never has been a country. It's part of China. So I think that we've got to live with the reality, but uh, where now things are put on the right track. But even the newly elected legislators, um, the, the district councillors, um, they're new to the job. They're new to the population. So that's, that's why um, there is still a learning curve uh, on the part of both the uh, elected um, district councillors uh, and the electorate. The electorate hardly know a, a lot of them, and 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 and, and I don't blame them uh, for an initial lack of apathy. But then if they keep on delivering, uh, keep on improving the the, uh, the lives of the people, and there is genuine competition because the the, the candidates are not all the same of the same mode. That they represent different background, different abilities. Um, so I think it's a healthy development, but. Uh, there is still a steep learning curve. The public will get used to the uh, new system. Yeah, we'll continue this uh, uh, discussion in just a moment. We've got to take a short break uh, for a news summary and a couple of uh, announcements, uh, and we'll hear hear more from uh, um, Alan Lung as well, co-convener of uh, Path of Democracy. And uh, we'll have another uh, guest on as well. Uh, in about uh, three or four minutes' time. A quick look at the weather. It's going to be mainly fine. Uh, warm during the day. Top temperature around uh, 28 degrees. Uh, uh, the outlook, um, it will get uh, cooler towards uh, the weekend. It's currently 25 degrees, humidity 73%. The news with Stu Pryke. Negotiations have continued late into the night at the United Nations Climate Summit amid disappointment among many delegates at the latest draft final text. It endorses a reduction in fossil fuel use but does not call for a complete phase-out, as did an earlier version. The European and US delegates say the draft is not tough enough on fossil fuels. The Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has rebuked Republicans in the US Congress for stopping a package of military aid submitted by President Biden. Mr Zelensky said such a delay was being cheered by the Kremlin and Vladimir Putin. He promised that the US could count on Ukraine. And the US Supreme Court has said it will quickly review a request to assess Donald Trump's claim to immunity from prosecution on federal charges. Special Counsel Jack Smith said in a filing to the court that it was of paramount public importance that the trial of Mr Trump on charges that he tried to overturn his 2020 election defeat go ahead on schedule. It's currently due to take place in March after the judge rejected the former president's bid for the case to be dismissed. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. The Good Employer Charter 2024 of the Labour Department is now open for enrolment. It aims at encouraging employers, irrespective of the scale of their companies, to adopt family-friendly employment practices and flexible work arrangements, which lead to win-win situations for employers and employees. 
The enrollment will end on March 31, 2024. For details, please visit the website at gec.labor.gov.hk. Before taking tutorial classes or enrolling in courses such as commerce, language, and computing provided by private schools offering a non-formal curriculum, think about whether it is really necessary. If so, check whether the school is registered with the Education Bureau. Read the course and fee information carefully. Pay monthly and never pay the course fee in one lump sum by any means, including credit card. Keep formal receipts. For details, visit the Education Bureau website. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on two double three double eight two double six and have your say. With Kaha and me, Jim Gould,、uh, and this morning in our main topic, we're talking about the district council election results.、Uh, and just before I um, uh, introduce uh, our guest、uh, in this、uh, section of the program,、um, I'd like to read this、uh, email from uh, uh, a listener, Ilna. A comment from、uh, Ilna says,、um, "I cast my vote at 9 a.m. in." I cast my vote.、Uh, this is a comment from、uh, listener Ilner. Says、uh, I cast my vote at 9 a.m. in the Yaochimong district、uh, yesterday, and I must say the whole process was incredibly smooth and didn't take more than three minutes of my time. Surprisingly, there weren't many young people or foreigners at this hour. Instead, I noticed a significant number of elderly voters and those in wheelchairs. I suppose one of the reasons for the low turnout among registered voters could be their lack of familiarity with the latest electoral. Forms, or simply the way their way of expressing dissatisfaction with the government. However, I firmly believe that every eligible voter, like myself, has a civic responsibility to fulfil in order to make Hong Kong a better place to live. My intention was to vote for the candidates who I believe can best serve our communities. I wanted to see more diversity and hear a wider range of voices at the district level. It was also disappointing to see that candidates from ethnic minorities didn't secure victory. There is certainly room for improvement. In the overall organisation of elections, and perhaps candidates should reconsider their approaches when canvassing for votes. Now it's up to us to observe how efficiently the newly elected district councillors can deliver on their campaign promises. I will be keeping a close eye on their actions and decisions. That from Ilna.、Um, with us, we still have、uh, Alan Lung, co-convener international for the Path of Democracy, and Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist, and、uh, also now. Joining us on the line is Dr. Islam Muhammad Fakru,、uh, also known by his Chinese name of, of、uh, Sun Yat-sen, one of、uh, Yao Chimong's three non-ethnically、uh, Chinese uh, district uh, candidates. Um, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Islam Muhammad Fakru, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So I'm sorry because I'm uh, suffering uh, by flu. Maybe、oh. my voice will not so clean. Oh, I'm sorry for that.、Oh, yeah, but I, I I can hear you very clearly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Well, we we can we can hear you. I think it's fine. Um. Uh. Okay. uh, th- uh thank you for joining us. Do you, would you just like to tell us a little bit about your、uh, your experience in this district council election? What was it、uh, like? Thank you. Thank you. Actually,、uh, it was、uh, so exciting、uh, when I got nomination, and、uh, you know the whole campaign process was very challenging, and from early morning to evening. We tried our best to approach to, uh, to the voters and、uh, try to get their attention、uh, by telling us our manifesto and everything. But you know, after the voting process finished, when the results coming out, 
Actually, I feel too much pain that I feel none of the Chinese voters give us vote. So mm -hmm. only we uh, could uh, get the vote from the EM voters. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is the experience uh, I get from the uh, feedback from the polling station. Uh, so I understood that uh, maybe maybe the local voters uh, do not like our manifesto or somehow they did not give us vote. Mm -hmm. So uh, our participation in the uh, voting system became meaningless in this way. Well, Thank well, you. Yeah, you, I mean, you, obviously you were competing against established uh, political parties as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you feel as though, um, you know, you were uh, at a disadvantage with uh, organizations like that uh, who could mobilize a lot of uh, volunteers and uh, supporters? No, not only that, because, you know, among us, one of one of the candidates was belongs to a party, uh, Mr. Jimmy, he, he was from the New, New People's Party. New People's you party. can see his, mm, yeah. his vote also even uh, very low, about 700, right? So it's no matter he belongs to a party or not, when the voters see that he is a ethnic minority representing ethnic minority, I think there has less, less attraction from, for them. Hmm. Uh, so what will you do now, um, um, you and your colleagues? Uh, you'll continue to work with, uh, with uh, your communities, with your, you know, your, your local communities? Um, and, what, what, and, and what sort of capacity will you be involved? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Because, you know, uh, we are uh, doing uh, social activities since long. No matter the, we are elect or not elect. Uh, by, um, uh, for me, like, I'm a Rotarian, I'm a a lifetime member of Red Cross, and I have mm -hmm. been working in UNDP as a volunteer since long. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I will not stop my activities, what I was doing from my uh, student life. Uh, it's election is just a, like a process that we had, we try to participate in to get the uh, legal mandate from the community to work for them. It doesn't matter that uh, I didn't get the legal mandate, but I will continue my social activities uh, as like before. And now I have uh, uh, more chances to work because many people know me and I think I will be more active than before. Mm. Thank okay. you. Okay, uh, um, Alan Lung, uh, I mean, the, the path of democracy was also uh, directly involved uh, in the election um, without um, success. Uh, what do you think about the uh, overall results? Well, we, uh, we, Alan we Lung? didn't really expect him to win. Mm. Uh, yeah. He did. He broke our record already. He got 8.6% of the uh, votes which is a record for us already. But uh, talking about uh, uh, going back to uh, Andrews, I don't think we need to be too defensive about what the Western press says. Yeah. Um, I think we'll, we'll inevitably we'll go down our own path. And as citizens, we shouldn't give up the voting. And I don't think the, uh, the uh, uh, Beijing with no voting at all, I think I don't think they have decided on how much so-called so protest democracy they will give us versus their concept of substantive democracy. I think uh, a lot of the people who are district councillors, 
already elected are in, elected indirectly. Uh, many of them are actually very experienced, serving for uh, 20 years or more <coughs> under previous legislators. So I don't think this is this bunch is as experienced as, as uh, Andrew's uh, sort of the painted. And I think the uh, selection process, which is the nomination process, is just, just a bit too tight. Mm. I think uh, in future it could be loosen up, loosen up quite a bit. And now there uh, there's experience. In the next five years, I think it will be losing loosen up quite a bit. Mm. And don't forget there there will be appointed uh, district councillors. And if you look at the experience of the minority, I know uh, Jimmy Bajanda. Uh, in uh, Yaochimong district quite well. He's a fluent Cantonese speaker, although he, he doesn't read Chinese that well. And he doesn't read, uh, speak Mandarin either, but he's, he's part of us. You know, we, we, we speak to him in Cantonese, not in English. And uh, even he, as part of the uh, New People's Party, only get, managed to get 100 votes. So the, it's, it's the machinery, election machinery that nobody can beat with the election district that is as large as uh, some of the electrical, electrical district it's very difficult to contest in, in, in an election like this one so um actually so um before the news session of us and then andrew was telling us the uh difference between like before the the overhaul election so I, I would like to continue to ask how do you think we can expect from the elected um, councillor from this election can help us in the future well uh, i think that the uh, uh, for example uh, i don't uh, think that the so, um, so minority uh, uh, candidates need to be uh, over overtly um disappointed because it's early days yet uh, and i think the main thing is i, I go back to my earlier um uh, emphasis on the idea on the chinese idea of um uh, being different, um, uh, but yet um, uh, achieving a harmonious relationship. Uh, um, in the sense that um, even though that uh, all everybody has got to support the central government, but you can be different. Um, and then uh, certain candidates concentrate on certain areas, and certain um, each candidate has got a different background. So I think that the minority candidates. Uh, not only do they need to, of course, put their focus on the interests of the minorities, but they also to be seen to be working for the entire district so as to um, amass a greater number of votes, for example. And, and the same applies to other candidates, uh, because they, they, they're working for the whole district, not only working for their narrow uh, either uh, uh, party interests or affiliation interests. Um, and I think that, that it's, a, it's a question of um, uh, how to progress with the learning curve. But I think that the next um, couple of years will see will be a test ground uh, to to see to what extent. Uh, these newly minted candidates are able to use their abilities and background really to serve the interests uh, of the various districts in, a, uh, in terms of results. Because the results that count, the results that would capture the loyalty um, or the, uh, the interest uh, of potential electors. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Dr. Islam, um, uh, would you say that your campaign was uh, um, uh, adequately directed at uh, serving uh, the whole of the area rather than uh, you know, a particular community? No, no, no. Of course, uh, uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry because I did not know that uh, we have a ve- we have two more very expert with us in the discussion. Uh, my sincere regards to uh, other two uh, respected person mm-hmm. and uh, say, uh, 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 hello to them also. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if I go to your question, actually no, uh, my campaign is not uh, only to my community. My campaign was to whole community and. We tried to reach all of the part of my constituency, and we had uh, many local volunteers uh, as well. I have only one or two EM volunteers with my team, and maximum was uh, local volunteers, and they can speak very fluent Cantonese. Of course, you know the local volunteers, and they uh, work with my manifesto, and they uh, could be able to make the local people understand about, about our uh, what we will do what is uh, our goal for a uh, election and everything but still i do not know maybe people uh, have some own choice so uh, really really i, I feel pain <laughs> mm. uh, about the uh, number uh, of votes i got mm. i think eventually uh, and y- my, y- my you know, minority i'm sorry to interrupt you i said to interrupt you uh, Maybe I cannot speak uh, uh, Cantonese too much, but uh, if you can see other two candidates, like uh, Mr. Jimmy and Mr. Alex, they can speak very fluent Cantonese, and they can serve the whole community. Mm-hmm. They have more capabilities than me. I think they could have uh, more good boards also, but their uh, board, the number of their board also... Uh, it's uh, very painful. Okay. Eventually, people like Jimmy Bajenda, who's more experienced in running elections, I don't think this is his first. Uh, they will be sort of absorbed into larger parties, and in, in this case, the New People's Party. And I think this is the way um, it's going to work. Uh, larger parties will have to absorb the minorities in, into their, 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 their election machineries and so on. And I don't think it's, Hong Kong is particularly racial. Uh, we we treat Jimmy Bajenda as one of our own, uh, certainly. And but I think it's this is in the election in the, in, in, in the experience uh, that we all have to go through. And I think the uh, looking at looking at the uh, makeup of the uh, the elected candidates, both directly elected and uh, indirectly elected. I think they will serve the community well, but because this is almost a fulfillment of the so- so-called substantive, substantive democracy. Okay. Although it's lacking in the so-called process democracy thing. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you all uh, very much for taking part uh, in this morning's uh, program. Uh, very uh, interesting uh, comments and insights there. Uh, that was um, uh, Alan Lone, co-convener, International of the Path of Democracy. Thanks uh, very much also to Andrew Lone, international and independent China strategist and former director general of social welfare. And also to Dr. Islam Mohammed Fakru, uh, also known by his uh, Chinese named Sun Yat-sen, who was one of the three non-ethnically Chinese uh, candidates in Yao Chimong district. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned, Stay tuned with Hong Kong.
And for the last part uh, of this morning's programme, we're going to turn our attention uh, to uh, an, an entirely different topic, um, and that is uh, news of uh, a recent uh, discovery of, uh, this was in the south coast of uh, England, a fossilised pliosaur. Now, uh, the pliosaur was a, a giant maritime predator that uh, uh, lived in the oceans about 150 million years ago. And this, uh, this big, uh, the skull uh, of this uh, creature has been found uh, um, in a cliff, uh, like I say, of, of the, uh, on the south coast of England. Uh, to hear more about it, we're joined on the line by Professor Michael Pittman, who's a paleobiologist at the School of Life Sciences at the Chinese University. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, um, so there's great pictures of this uh, fossil that uh, uh, have been released. Uh, um, it's, um, and, and, and apparently the, the, the skull is, is very complete and there's all sorts of detail. I mean, uh, um, how significant is this find? Well, the skull is beautiful uh, and it's actually the subject of a BBC documentary with uh, David Attenborough, such yeah. as the beauty of the specimen. So uh, what makes it special is it's very complete, uh, it's preserved uh, in three dimensions, and it's highly likely that the rest of it is still in that cliff in, in Dorset, and people are planning to uh, excavate it as it erodes from the cliff. Mm. Yeah, um, um, so... Okay, so it's likely that the rest of the the rest of the skeleton, the rest of the fossils, uh, uh, will be uh, removed from the cliff. Yeah, so the cliff uh, is obviously a, a vertical exposure, but mm. the sediments where the pliosaurs preserved in are horizontal. So uh, as the cliff erodes, then you'll get more and more of the animal uh, coming out, and then paleontologists can can remove it mm. and, and, and so is it a question of uh, uh, of w awaiting a natural erosion or can uh, you know um, yeah. paleontologists actually dig into the rock and see if they see what they can find well luckily it's a unprotected slope and naturally there's landslides and, and so it probably won't be immediate it probably take a period of a few years to, for, for the um cliff to a road although you never know there might be a big landslide and it comes straight out uh but generally yes you have to wait a little bit because there's just too much rock to excavate on top to uh get to the the skeleton which is about halfway up a cliff that's perhaps 10 20 meters high actually when i saw the photo from bbc i was shocked and then i actually can't believe like it is like dinosaur or like <laughs> this kind of yeah. creature is really existed in, in, in the well, world uh, before and yeah. also and also it's like uh, do you think it is a very like big step of uh uh of the archaeology well, so pliosaurs are a part of the plesiosaurs. So the plesiosaurs are a group that include what, how people imagine the Loch Ness Monster to look like. So they're these uh, marine animals that have flippers, they're reptiles. And the pliosaurs are a particular group of plesiosaurs. They have big heads, uh, short necks, uh, flippers. Uh, but within the group that they belong to, you have others that are slower, have long necks, have short heads. So these pliosaurs, the one that we're talking about today, they are apex predators, whereas within the family they belong to, there's another group that are mainly uh, kind of lower grade predators. So very interesting animals. And, and you're right, like seeing them in person, you, you can't believe you wouldn't want to be swimming at, the, at that time. <laughs> and, and they have, uh, I understand, uh, pretty special teeth as well. 
Yeah, so their teeth are very impressive. In fact, the bite of pliosaurs uh, have been reconstructed to be on par with T-Rex. So T-Rex has the strongest bite of any known uh, animal. And uh, to compare that with something like uh, a lion, you're talking about several times stronger bite for this pliosaur than a, than a living lion. And they had these conical teeth with serrations, really good for basically crushing through things. So uh, they weren't, were pretty messy eaters. Uh, yeah, serrations. So, so like like grooves in the teeth, which apparently made yes. it easier easier for them to to bite into things and 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 then ex and then extract yeah. afterwards. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Do you actually think there is any possibility for uh, it would happen in Hong Kong? Like anything similar yeah. happened in sure. Hong Kong before? So Hong Kong has uh, Jurassic rocks, which is the rocks that uh, yielded the, this, this particular pliosaur. We also have early Cretaceous oh. rocks, uh, ones that could find fossils. So in Hong Kong, we, we actually have uh, marine fossils from the Jurassic, but they're really? ammonites, they're invertebrates. So you could theoretically find them. It's just that finding fossils is difficult. It, it takes a lot of effort. Um, mm. But I'm confident one day uh, we should be able to find one. But uh, in the geopark, unfortunately, you can't um, readily hammer away. But hopefully someone will, will find one one someday. Oh, right. Okay. That's uh, interesting. So, uh, and, and they would have to be sedimentary rocks where, where exactly. fossils are found. Because uh, my right to say much of Hong Kong is actually a, a granite, which is uh, volcanic, right? Yeah, so most of Hong Kong are volcanic rocks, either the top of the volcanoes or the rocks that were inside the Earth's crust, uh, molten rocks like granite. Mm -hmm. And, and, and going back to this, uh, this creature, this uh, uh, pliosaur, what, what sort of um, conditions would it have been living in 150 million years ago? I mean, what were the, what were the oceans like in those days? Well, in that the particular environment for this uh, pliosaur, it was kind of a warmer, uh, kind of uh, warmer conditions. So it would have been a lot uh, better as a holiday destination. So the south coast of the UK is very nice, yeah. but not always uh, swimsuit weather. So uh, when the pliosaur was around, it would have been a lot more pleasant. Uh, Do you uh, think we have sorry, yeah, any? Go, go, go. Oh, sorry. Do you think we have any chance to see this fossil? <laughs> Uh, sorry. Uh, this, do you, do this... you think we we have any chance, like as a citizen, or uh, like to to sure. to see the um, fossil, like oh, yes, exhibition absolutely, absolutely. or something? Yeah. So the um, the Etchies collection is a little museum in the Dorset coast uh, where it will be exhibited along mm. with a lot of other beautiful uh, marine animals. The marine reptile gallery of the Natural History Museum in London has a spectacular gallery of many many marine reptiles. So mm. I'd recommend that. Uh, but even in China, we have uh, lots of marine reptiles. Um, and so in various parts of the country, uh, you can actually see them firsthand yourself. So these animals weren't just restricted to ancient Europe. Uh, they could swim around the world in all the oceans. So you get them in many places. And, and mainland China also has many bird fossils uh, discovered sure. in recent years as well. Yeah. yeah, so that's uh, what my, one of my specialties, the evolution of flight in birds. And we have the uh, premier fossils for studying that evolutionary transition. So we have feathered dinosaurs, uh, we have early, uh, and, uh, early birds themselves. In Hong Kong at the moment, at the Hong Kong Science Museum in the Paleontology Gallery, you can actually see some of these fossils firsthand. And they are exceptional fossils. So we're very lucky to have them here. Mm. 
and um, and just um, in terms of where this uh, pliosaur fossil is found, I mean, it's referred to as the Jurassic Coast, right? And this is a particular yes. area in the southern English county of uh, Dorset. Yeah, hmm. it's a part of a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So they don't offer those from the United Nations unless that the site is very significant. So in this part of the world, the, uh, those rocks represent what the Jurassic world was like in exceptional detail. And as a result, it's given special status. In Hong Kong, we have a UNESCO Global Geopark, which also is, a, uh, is kind of also a, a very good badge of honor. Uh, but again, it's, it's recognizing exceptional uh, preservation of a particular part of Earth's history. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, and um, so uh, I, I know a lot of people that actually uh, go fossil hunting as a hobby. But I mean, is that something sure. as a as a, you know, as a, a, a paleontologist, a paleobiologist that you would that you would uh, encourage or discourage? Or I mean, you wouldn't necessarily well, what, want valuable yeah, things sure. to be removed. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends country by country. So I started fossil hunting on the Jurassic Coast in a place called mm. uh, Lyme Regis in, in, oh, in yeah. Dorset. Mm -hmm. um, so in the UK, for example, you're free to collect and keep the fossils. In China, including Hong Kong, uh, we're not allowed to do that. So if you find an interesting fossil, uh, you have to take a photo and report it to like uh, the uh, the relevant uh, government departments. It's usually the Agricultural Fisheries Department, and, and a professional will come and and recover it. Uh, so, and we also have these geoparks where you're not allowed to excavate. So you're, you're welcome to look reports uh but in hong kong please don't excavate them right okay uh, really uh, interesting thank you very much uh, for sharing that with us uh, that was uh, michael pittman who's a paleobiologist at the school of life sciences at the chinese university of hong kong cuhk um right now just before we bring uh, this program uh, to a close ahead of the the news and uh, and the brunch um, a reminder to our listeners that uh, the Operation Santa Claus 24-hour charity auction is currently active. It was uh, launched at the end of our Money Talk program, which uh, preceded uh, this show, Back Chat. And like I say, it's on for 24 hours. Uh, so you have until tomorrow morning, 8.55, to place a, a bid. There are some amazing items there. So please go and have a look. Um, uh, go to the Radio 3 homepage, uh, click on the auction graphic, and that will take you to the auction site. Um, make sure you listen to Money Talk uh, tomorrow morning to see how much we've raised uh, this year. Um, you can also just uh, donate to Operation Santa Claus uh, if you want to. Just go ahead and make a donation, as many people do, many individuals do. Uh, this 24-hour uh, operation is, is one of numerous events uh, taking place uh, this year in support of Operation Santa Claus. We're, we're supporting 16 charities, including 15 special charity projects, uh, something we do, we've done uh, every year since 1988 uh, in conjunction with the South China Morning Post. So please do uh, take part uh, in our auction. Go and have a look at the auction page. Uh, thanks to our listeners. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. Thanks to our guest today. Thanks very much uh, uh, to you, Carr, our guest presenter. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Okay, um, news coming up. <laughs>